0: Hello and welcome to the Legendary Leaders podcast, where we chat all things leadership and personal development related, absolutely authentically and unscripted. On this podcast, my guests and I are going to introduce you to ideas and concepts that show how you can move past your fears, negative self-talk and constant doubts in order to encourage and motivate you on your journey to becoming a legendary leader yourself with more impact, influence and inspiration. So are you ready for it? Welcome once again to Legendary Leaders, the podcast.
1: Hello and welcome to Legendary Leaders, the podcast. My name is Kathleen Merkel and I am your host of this show. Every week we are trying to dive into some different topics that matter when it comes to leadership and self-leadership in particular. And as you know, I work with high achieving women in leadership as to whether you run your own business, as to whether you work in corporate or as to whether you are just, you know, a little bit stuck in your personal life as well. It is all about how can I help you take your life as to whether it's your work life or your personal life into your own hands in order to achieve those things that really, really matter to you. And as a part of today's show, I'm so delighted to have another leader on the show. Her name is Angel Johnstone, and she is actually a writer of erotica and short stories, and she creates confidence-building programs and events for women. So she's highly focused on helping women build more confidence, feel more okay with themselves, and dive back into their real, real feminine powers. She molds together her diverse background and experiences with her love of personal development strategies to help others grow. And when you listen to her, and obviously in my experience of talking to her, you can get this sense of her genuine interest in your growth right away. She represents the power of confidence because what you don't see is arrogance or what you don't see is displayed confidence. I need to now show how strong I am. She is really representing this uh, demeanor of calm of fun of banter of feeling totally okay with yourself of owning your power but also owning your failures and mistakes and she has grown through failures she has grown through changes in her life that made her basically believe that she has so many opportunities she can grasp and she can take forward and she can do something with her focus is clearly on the bedroom. Because she really and truly believes that if we as women are not able to ask for what we need in our sexual lives, then it will be quite challenging for us to do that in any other part of our lives. Let it be during salary negotiations, promotional negotiations, interviews, and so on and so forth. So we have some nice, around 45 minutes of discussing confidence lined up for you. And it's so insightful. So I'm sure you're going to enjoy it as much as I did recording this episode. So have fun. And as always, do let us know how you like the episode by leaving your reviews on iTunes. It's so, so important for us. I can't even tell you. And if you have any questions, if you have any comments, then just get in touch. cmc at com is my email address. You find me on Instagram, on Facebook, so do let me know. I'd love to hear from you. Enjoy the episode. Speak to you in a second. A huge, huge welcome to my guest today, legendary leader, Angel. Hello. Hello, how are you? I am very well. For me, it's 11 o'clock. For you, it's 6
2: a.m. Yes, and as you can hear, my dog decided that this was a good time to announce herself. So Sorry about that. (laughs) Do you have to go for a walk now with the dog? No, no. She's (laughs) just barking at the cat. That's that's what they do in the morning. It's their morning wake-up hellos. Ah, oh, I'm so delighted to have you on this show.
1: When we talked before the recording of the episode, I said to you a few times, this is going to be a very unique show, a completely different topic than I have ever touched on before, but such an important topic. We talk about confidence today, yes. but in particular, one of those areas of confidence that you are working on, you are helping people with is confidence in the bedroom.
2: Absolutely. yeah.
1: Tell us more about how you help people, what you do to really
2: explore and increase their level of confidence. Well, I kind of went on a journey for this myself. And so I think you always teach the things you most needed to learn at some point in your life, especially if you ended up finding the answers, you want to shout them from the rooftops type of situation. And so the last year and a half or so, I felt really compelled to start talking with the women I was working with about sex a little bit more. And as you know, in the world, that's kind of a taboo subject. People don't necessarily want to invite you to have this conversation. But I was finding a few avenues, a couple women's groups that I was in, a couple networking groups that I was in, where where the women knew me well enough already that they felt comfortable with me touching on those topics. And um, the first time I talked about that in a group, was a speech I gave where I talked about how when I was an exotic dancer in my 20s, I learned a lot about sales and marketing from that uh, work that I did. I learned how to market myself. I learned how to communicate with people. I learned how to own my own physical body and feel really comfortable in my own skin. And so I created a talk about what I learned and how to translate that into modern business. It was a networking and business, a women in business networking group. And from that, that conversation kind of started us having other conversations about sex and body image and owning your confidence in all aspects. And so it kind of got me on this trajectory of looking at how women relate to the world from that vantage point of, of owning their sexuality or not owning their sexuality. More specifically, I found most of them weren't. And why? Because <laughs> it's such a fun part of your personality to own, right? And to, and to explore. Uh, why don't we do it? And so the more women I talked to, the more I felt like really compelled to find out more about why is this such an issue for some women? Why do we struggle in this area? Uh, why is body image such a problem? Why do we get in our heads when we get in the bedroom? You know, we're too busy thinking about the laundry and the kids and our jobs that we can't even enjoy ourselves. Uh, and And what do we do about it? And so that kind of led me on this journey of, of reading and interviewing with other people and talking to people. And and I got introduced to a woman who wrote a book and uh, she was in New York and she was offering this amazing class. Her name was Regina Tomashor. And she was doing this class where she was bringing women together to talk about exactly this kind of thing. And so I went to that and I was like, oh my God, I found my people. <laughs> Yay. Yay, I found my people. Because it was all about feminine power. And reclaiming our history, really, uh, in that, you know, prior to Christianity, uh, there were lots of religions that were uh, based on basically glorifying women. Women were the leaders. Women were the thought. Mm. Women were the ones in charge. And our feminine sexual power was revered. And I'm like, wow, I just got born in the wrong time of the year. (laughs) (laughs) That's the problem. I'm just born in the wrong time. Uh, But then I realized, no, I'm actually not. I was born in the perfect time because I think globally we're we're feeling a shift. And I think that shift is to more accepting of feminine energy. and, And part of that shift is realizing that women are sexual beings and that we have every right to explore that to the extent possible. And and to use that power in the same way that men use their power. They take their sexual power, they transmute it into business, into their personal lives, into the endeavors that they go into. And why aren't we doing the same? And so that's kind of how I ended up writing an erotica novel. Uh, that's how I ended up starting to speak on this topic and, and getting more and more educated on how do we break the shame? That mm-hmm. was the thing is we're so ashamed. Uh, Because we're conditioned to be that way. And if we break through the shame and just own that that's a part of who we are and it's just as valid as every other part, confidence comes from that. Because now we don't have this shameful thing that we're constantly worried about someone finding out. So that's kind of the trajectory I've had in the last two years. And um, I'm finding that so many women that I work with are feeling this release of shame, are able to find their voice with their partners. And then it's expanding, as you and I talked about last week, that finding your voice in the bedroom expands into other parts of their life, where they're asking for more in their jobs, they're asking for more from their clients, they're setting desires and goals that are higher than what they might have set before, because they're feeling more confident. And this is such an important
1: topic. What is the connection between confidence in your personal life, in your sexual life, feeling like your feminine power, as you said it, and uh, the connection to, as you mentioned before, in business, uh, leadership in an organization. You gave me this beautiful example last time when we spoke about a salary increase, for example. How
2: does that come together? Well, you know, I didn't put it together until probably the last six to nine months where I was talking to a friend of mine and she teaches women How to be more confident in sales, the only own business, how to ask for the sale, how to close the sale, how to get somebody in a conversation from, I'm not really sure, to feeling the value in what they're purchasing. And as we talked, she and I were starting to realize so many parallels with what we were doing, what we were teaching women. And I was like, wow, there's really something here. And then I started going on my own journey for my own money. You know, I wanted to get rid of my debt, which I did last year. I wanted to expand, get my credit rating, you know, up to as far as I could. And so I started realizing those same skills of figuring out what you want, which is a huge piece of this. And then being able to find the words to ask for it and not just ask for it like, oh, I hope you'll give it to me, but like, no, I deserve this the deserving piece, right? And holding yourself accountable to do that, even when it's scary and having a backup, having people to be there as your emotional backup to help you set those new boundaries and ask for those new things. That was all the same work. And so it was really interesting to see the parallels in her work and my work. And then I started teaching a class on this book called Tapping Into Wealth, which Mm is a personal freedom technique book, where you tap on the the points of your body that allowed you to relieve a lot of old habits, old thought patterns. And in teaching that book to a group of women, which was really just for me, I wanted accountability partners, right? I wanted people to be doing it with me. So I I think I'd read a chapter. (laughs)
0: It's
2: a good Um, way to do that. Going through it, 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 I was like, oh my God, every chapter of this book about money is about sex. I'm like, oh, wow. So um, it just so parallel. I mean, if, it just came down to if you cannot ask in the bedroom for what you want, you don't have the, how are you going to ask for the raise? How are you going to ask for the new position? How are you going to ask for the big client, the big fish, right? Because you don't, you don't, you haven't been practicing the skills at home. When I say that to women, they're like, oh, oh, wow. And it all clicks. They realize. You're right. I don't even ask for what I want in my pleasure <laughs> Yeah. It,
0: it,
1: you know, and that is such an important part. It's a fun part, as you said, but it's also important. It fulfills human needs. We were created as sexual human beings. There's a, there's a clear function behind it. There's the fun part behind it. It gives us confidence and so on and so forth. So the, the big surprise, I have had when I started reading more about the work you're doing and so on was actually where this shame came from and how many women still feel this shame so I was raised at least for a few years in East Germany then the wall came down and so on but East Germany always had a reputation it's quite sexual it's very open skinny dipping beaches everywhere Mm -hmm. and so on and so forth so that's very stereotypical right there are different parts of the country I need to move there (laughs) And uh, there was, uh, I don't know if it was the reason because East Germans were so almost imprisoned in their country Mm. beforehand that there was this massive sense of liberation, of let's create our own movement of freedom. So that sexuality Mm -hmm. actually was very, very open topic. And I still remember as a child, when I slept in my parents' bed, I was a tiny toddler Mm -hmm. and there were a few sexual education books. So it wasn't for me something that wasn't normal or that was a bit weird. It was just like, oh yeah, it's a part of us. Right. So long story short, I'm really surprised about the amount of women that feel this shame, that really can't talk about it very openly and so on and so forth. So question for you is, I hope you can answer, where does the shame really? come from? How has it evolved? What's happening there <sighs> to us?
2: It's almost like, where does the shame not come from? <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> I think a lot of things that we talk about in the groups that I run are when that feeling of shame comes up, you know, we talk a lot about like, you know, why can't you talk to your husband about doing this first before this, you know, why can't you ask him to do this instead of that? And they're like, Oh, I don't, I don't ask him what? (laughs) And then we get into the why? Oh, well, you know, the, the first time I asked a partner for that, they made fun of me for that, or they they thought I was crazy that I wanted that, or it wasn't something they they were comfortable doing. And so, and so it's all these just little, it's almost like little bits of sand, you know, like these little granules of sand, little interactions that happen over the course of a lifetime, and it's just a constant like, nope, you can't have that, nope, you can't have that. And at the moment, it doesn't seem like a big deal, but over 40 years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it certainly does. Yeah, And if you start, as I was a very sexual child, I was very interested in that, you know, what is this all about? Why are people, what do people do this? Um, it starts really early and especially in women, right? Because we're taught to be modest. We're taught to protect ourselves, that we need to be afraid of men. That we need to look at the world and strangers in a, in a way that would protect us. We also need to not look at the pornography, not look at the naughty pictures or the the videos or whatever. We're taught that that's for guys, and that if we look at that or we enjoy that in any way, that we're somehow wrong. And we're also certainly not taught, told to talk about it amongst our friends. I mean, we probably do when we're younger because we don't know any better. But not to the extent I think that men do. I mean, men have a very socialized view. They, they talk about this much more freely. So there's just a lot of little messages, not necessarily big ones, but mm-hmm. a lot of messages over a lifetime. Get us to our middle our middle ages, age, if you will, middle of our lives, or sometimes much earlier, depending on your situation. And then there's also the possibility that we've gone through some kind of trauma, whether it's been in a relationship or sexual trauma or some other you know, medical trauma sometimes cause us to kind of shut down. So there's all kinds of little things that can happen over a lifetime and sometimes big things that just give us the message that we're not allowed or we shouldn't explore this. And if we do, if we do and we release the shame and say, no, this is something I want what happens next? There's a backlash. There's, oh, you're, you're reading a book about what you're, yeah, <laughs> there's, there's this pushback, right? Because society has told us that we're not supposed to do that. And I know that when I started taking these classes and reading this book and talking to women about it, they're like, you went to a class about what? You, you know? <laughs> so there's this element, and I'm sure we'll have this on the, on your podcast too. There's an element of like, what are they talking about? Yeah. And so this curiosity, right? But like, am I like I'm feeling like I shouldn't be curious? So there's this dichotomy in all of us. I think that unless we were raised in a very open place, a place where sexuality was very talked about and very open, that we end up feeling like we're not supposed to be doing this.
1: Fascinating. I think my generation, sex in a city, has made a huge difference to Mm -hmm. seriously to how we we talk about sex and our needs and be more open about it. But I absolutely acknowledge what you have just said. Uh, There are still a lot of people who really live this shame, who have it. And what makes a lot of sense is also what you just mentioned, those little messages. It's the same with a child that gets the message of you are not enough. You haven't done enough. Mm -hmm. You know, you haven't been that great at school or you haven't washed the dishes or right. whatever. If there's constantly something that's missing and you're criticized, you will build up this huge sense of I am not enough. Mm-hmm. And you yep. start to withdraw. And that's something I observe in so many parts of our lives and so many women as well that I work with.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's sad that it, it's an accumulation of shame mm-hmm. and, and to break free. I mean, I know one of my biggest shame points was that I had been an exotic dancer. Now I don't know why, because 25, 30 years later, when I tell people that, they're like, oh, that's so cool. Mm-hmm. Right? There's been a change. There's been a cultural shift in how that was perceived. But yeah. when I was doing it, there wasn't that. So it was very much a, a, something I did in order to, to keep my bills, you know, to basically keep me above water when I started my first business. But now I could talk about it much more freely because society has changed a little mm-hmm. bit. But not for everybody. I mean, some people still find that to be a salacious, you know, oh my God, I can't believe you did that. And sometimes that's because they know me first and then they have to be like, wait a minute, I have a perception of what that is, and you don't fit it. Right. So then now we're breaking down the perception. I've always been the same person. Yeah. A smart, college educated, business minded person. And the reason I did it was because it's the fastest way to make money that's legal. Mm fair enough and i needed cash flow to keep my business going yeah you know so it was a smart business decision and it was an easy it was an easy job let's be honest but when you when you talk to people that they don't see that right they don't they don't see that they think it's for it, it's a place for for women that don't have their heads together right and they and they do it because out of desperation mm. not because it was a conscious decision <laughs> a, a way to make money quickly that you're breaking down barriers, but, but there's still a stigma and there's still a stigma for somebody who's written erotica. And I put it out to the world that I was writing that book before I ever published it. And I actually had some women that said, "Mm, you're going down a path. I can't follow you. Okay. That's fine. But the rest of them, I'm like the Pied Piper. Come on, let's go. girl.
1: But how many of those women are women who sit in London, for example, on the tube um, reading, what was the name of the book? Fifty Shades of Grey? Yeah, the worst. Um, <laughs> yes, I'm with you. I'm with you. I think it's absolutely horrendous. <laughs> I read it um, mm-hmm. and I watched the movies. But I thought, my goodness, is that bad? But how many women sit on the tube and had some fake covers right. over the actual book cover? Right. Uh, right? Because they've Yes, Yes. (laughs) ashamed of reading it. Right. So, ah, you know, and exotic dancer, what I wanted to say is I don't think it's an easy job, not that I've ever tried it. But man, you have to be fit, right? Physically fit to do that.
2: Yeah, well, yes. And, and you know, 25, 30 years ago, I was. Uh, I, I would still say I probably could get up there and do a few things. But I think what's interesting now is when I talk to people about it now, when I, when I um, have gone to clubs, is that there's a much wider variety of body types. I was not a pencil-thin girl ever. Um, and I think that's why I did well, because I was probably one of the, I'm going to call it healthier <laughs> real- <laughs> rubenesque figures and and i did pretty well for that so for me it felt easy but also i was very comfortable in my skin so for someone else it might have been a horrifying experience but Mm. it was just like i can walk around in a bikini most of the time and talk to people i can do that yeah you can do that what what can't you do really in a way so that's why i think body confidence and being comfortable in your own skin is so important and why I've continued to to teach people that, but I will tell you this, it is, it is, it's a really big mental game of not constantly comparing yourself to every other beautiful woman in the room, because it is, there is a lot of beautiful women. Yes. (laughs) And if you're, if you're super, um, you can get super insecure just because the competition is so steep, you know, you're you really putting yourself in, in a room with some very steep competition. And so you have to have some sense of confidence already, certainly. But I, I took away from it a much greater sense of confidence in my personality as well, because I had a lot of my customers that did not come to see me just to watch me. They came to see me to talk to me. And I learned a lot about just sitting and learning how to communicate with people and how to be real with people and giving, holding space for somebody else to tell their story. Because a lot of times that's really what they're looking for. It's just someone to talk to. Uh, It's nice that it comes in a pretty package. (laughs) Makes (laughs) it easier. To sit with them and literally sit on them uh, for a while. But it's, it's mostly about learning how to communicate with people and, and having empathy for their situation and their sadness and their, and a lot of times they're, inability to communicate at home. So again, it all comes down to communication and being able to say what they desire. Uh, the guys are no different. Um, they just do it differently than we do. But the the base uh, at the base of it, it's about human connection. And how do we find that uh, in the world? And sometimes for many men, uh, many of them were disabled or overweight or had lost their hair or whatever variety of their own body issues. They didn't feel that they couldn't connect with women outside of the club uh, very well. And so they found a home for themselves, which in a way is sad that that's where they felt they needed to find that. But, you know, we, we, it's there, it's available and um, it shouldn't be shameful. Why, why do we make it shameful when that's really at the base of it, what it's about? Um, It's for many, many people. It's about connection.
1: I can, however, imagine that there are um, a lot of women out there who get into this hamster wheel. I think you wrote it on your website as well. You have children, perhaps you have a demanding job, you are a wife or a partner, whatever it is, and you put some additional pressure onto yourself. So everything, basically your sexuality gets distracted and you focus on everything but that core piece, right? Exactly. Exactly. So, how do we get out of this rut? What, what are tiny steps that you would recommend to these
2: kind of women? Well, I mean, just with every, anything, right? If, if you get in your life in a rut, uh, I think anybody would suggest that you need to get some focus on what it is you want. And so one of the things that I encourage women to do is to really get focused on what their desires are. And in this particular case, what your desires are in the bedroom. If you want him to throw you up against the wall, tell him that. (laughs) Communication. Yeah. If you want him to go slower, you've got to tell him that too. They don't know. They don't have any more, you know, psychic ability than than (laughs) most of us do. They don't know what you want. And so one of the exercises that I'm working on perfecting with women is actually walking them through a, a, a desired journal, if you will where you're writing down all of the things that come to your mind and then creating from that list of desires. Maybe it's, you know, 20, 40, 30 different things that pop into your head. Maybe it's four. I don't know. Everyone's different, but from, from that, creating a story, creating an actual storyline that you could act out with your partner say, this is what I want you to do. This is the stages I mm-hmm. want to through and writing that as an erotica story. Mm-hmm that this is me and you and this is what we're going to do together and this is exactly what I want to feel and what I want to hear and what I want you to say and and writing that story as if it already happened. And so that you're you're planting that seed in your mind that this is the sex life that I want, not the one that we have now, <laughs> which might be non-existent. And then also just really thinking about What you like and what you don't like, and getting more clear on how to say yes to the things you do like, and how to politely, without hurting anyone's feelings, start to say, you know what, I really don't like that. Can we do it this way? And and find without hurting anyone's feelings, redirect to doing something that's more pleasurable for you, Uh, whether that be slow down, speed up, you know, start over, (laughs) whatever it takes, to to get so that you're, so everybody's having pleasure because that's the thing that worries me as I talk to so many women and they're like oh yeah I have a I have a sex life it's good for him wait a minute where are you oh I just lay there what yeah. no <laughs> that's, that's, that's not what this is supposed to be about yeah. You're supposed to both enjoy it you're supposed to want it you know like when you're when you love somebody and you're attracted to them there should be so, some desire. And I think we lose that, like you said, when you have kids and a job and responsibilities and you're tired and, you know, you don't feel sexy. You don't feel glamorous. And you think it's supposed to look a certain way. That's the other thing. We have so much expectation. So much of this, um, it needs to look like it does in the movies. You know, I I need to look like Julia Roberts and be all decked out. In order to, you know, like all of these, things in our head, like that, well, he, he will only want it if I shaved my legs today. He doesn't care about your legs. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Last thing on his mind. So, so all the stuff that our heads tell us, get out of your head into your body. A great way to do that is to to actually have a self-pleasure routine every day. Somehow fix, fill it in there. I know. We talk about having a self-care routine, but then we care for the bat too.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Wait a minute, that's important. And how do we do that when we have kids and a job and responsibilities? You know, how do we carve out five or ten minutes for ourselves? even if it's just to to take coconut oil and rub it all over yourself because it feels good. Even if it's just to sleep naked in your bed because it feels better. to find some pleasure in your day every day that's just for you is almost a monumental task for some women, but that's where you start. That's where you start. Yeah. And I think, I don't know if that is
1: the starting starting point or if there's a tiny step beforehand. I thought about a few people I know in my circle of friends, perhaps acquaintances. And what I observe is but that might just be an assumption on my end is that they are, not even fully aware of neglecting right. the sexual side of them because the hamster wheel feels so strong. And that became the new habit for years and years and years now. Yeah. Yeah. And, and only when we go out as a circle of girls and other girls who may be single or who are, uh, freshly in love or whatever, yeah, talk about all their passion and desires and something like, Oh, something is missing here. But I haven't really checked in with me. I haven't really noticed that this might be a part that's missing. Because often when we start becoming a bit uh, agitated, frustrated, a bit more moody, that can be a huge part of it. That can be a huge reason for our emotions.
2: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think the awareness, like you said, just just to be aware that something's not as it was, Mm Yeah. And we talked about all the tiny little messages that we get as to why we shut it down. Mm-hmm. We also get these tiny little changes in our life. And sometimes they're hormonal. Sometimes it's a thing. Sometimes it's just life, you know, kids is a big one. I know a lot of women, their lives is completely different after kids uh, than it was. And, and that we don't seem to get back to the same relationship points after, unless it's conscious And so by making it conscious, by talking about it, we certainly have a chance to to fix it and and to to change that tide. But it's getting the consciousness awareness that, you know, that, that okay, this is something I should be focused on. And not from a, not, and here's the point part, not from a viewpoint of this is yet another chore on my to-do list. Because nobody needs another chore. No mother on the planet needs another thing to do right now. That's a chore. So again, it's supposed to be fun. And we're supposed to get back to the fun, juicy energy that sex brings us and Mm -hmm. feel excited about it. But it does take some thought when you're out of the habit. Yeah.
1: 100%. That means we've got to stop. I said it literally in every episode because it's it's true for anything really connected with self-leadership. And that The sexual desire and fulfilling that desire falls clearly into Um, Mm self-leadership. It is important to stop and to really check in with yourself and to think, okay, what is going on here? What am I perhaps missing? And to give yourself that time and patience. And then we move towards, okay, how can I feel more confident in raising it and expressing my needs properly? Quick question for you is, how do you recognize truly confident women? I mean, you are taking so many women through their own journey, right? So if, you, if someone walked past you on the street, how do you really notice, okay, this woman is totally connected to her sexual power, there is confidence?
2: Well, I mean, there, I think we all have an idea of what a confident woman or a confident person looks like. And what's interesting is that doesn't necessarily mean putting it out there. Flaunting it. There are many, many sexually confident women that don't feel the need to do that. They don't dress in scantily clothes. They they don't. They don't put the whole thing on display. They can be very modest, but still very sure of themselves internally. And and then then the other opposite of that is some women feel very empowered by wearing sexy clothing and and being able to, to to feel comfortable in that. So there's no right way to do this which is the wonderful thing. And there's certainly no wrong way to do this. So I think it's important for us to look at that empowerment or that confidence comes in many forms and that there's no wrong expression of that. But I think of a woman more so that in her mind is really clear on her boundaries. And this is something that I've struggled with over a lifetime. It's something I still am practicing to this day, how to learn and make new boundaries. But to be able to say, you know, I like that or I don't like that. To say yes and to say no and to mean it and to hold those those lines, right? That I don't like that, so we're not going to do that. But I do like this and I want you to do more of that. So I think the confidence doesn't necessarily always, I mean, it does ooze out into other parts of your life, right? You you You, you hold yourself a little bit different. You talk a little bit different. You ask for the things that you want. Um, your yeses and your no's hold weight, both with yourself and others. And that's a process. And it, it sometimes you're going to stumble and that's okay too. Sometimes we we make a boundary and then we decide to let somebody slide over it. And then we have to reassert it. So I think that confidence is, I've never thought that confidence was a thing. Meaning like, it's not a noun. It's not something you have or don't have. Mm-hmm. I confidence as a verb. So confidencing. Okay. You're constantly practicing how to get more and you're constantly re- redoing those values and those, those boundaries for yourself. And so when you look at it as a verb, it kind of changes the whole, uh, com- the whole concept we have about having confidence, that it's not something you either have or don't have. It's something that you're learning to build.
1: Yeah. Lovely. How do you see that translated into every day's part of life and work. So I'm in particular working with female leaders, mm. leaders in business, leaders in organizations, self-leaders. Suddenly this the woman really recognizes her sexual power again. She asks for what she desires. Mm-hmm. Now, how are we going to recognize that suddenly at work, for example?
2: Well, I think it shows up in things like salary negotiations, negotiating for a new job. I think it comes into play if you're interviewing or you're building your resume or sending your resume out to people. I think it comes in in subtle ways as well. If you're in a job that suddenly you feel a little bit more secure in your decision-making process, that I guess that this is the process I'm going to go through and we're going to get to here. And that project management skill feels a little bit more solid. You stop saying sorry a lot, because you're not. <laughs> and you stand up for yourself if somebody comes at you. Because let's be honest, in the world of work and business, there's almost somebody pretty much around the corner. Anyone could walk in and kind of, again, push up against your boundaries. You hold them better because you're, you're more secure in the fact that, yes, I made this decision and I stick with that decision. Or alternatively, yes, I made that mistake and that's okay. Yeah. Fix it. We can fix it together. There's a way to move forward. So I think you're willing to take more chances too, because you're more more confident in yourself. So all of that, all of those subtle ways that we tend to sabotage ourselves in the workplace start to melt away. And you also realize, I think the more confident you get, the more secure you get in yourself, you start to realize when places are toxic, And you start to allow yourself to leave them. Mm -hmm. I just had a job change not too long ago for that very reason. I said, okay, this isn't right for me. And interestingly, the universe changes things for you when you make that decision. You know, like when you finally come to a point like this is not working, I need something different. Suddenly the door opens. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) yes <laughs> to the promotion or to the new department or to the new job or the you know whatever it is but you've got to get to that place of decision first mm. to understand that your confidence when you get to the point where this is no longer tolerable because this is not a good environment for me then the doors open to the next place but if you're going to continue to let those boundaries be stepped over and continue to take less and continue to just go oh this is okay i can make it work That's kind of the same thing as, like, well, I have a sex life and it's good for him. (laughs) There's a lot of parallels there.
1: I'm still a bit in conflict when it comes to that. But I don't know. I'm not an expert, obviously, in the field. But if you don't enjoy it, I always wonder as to whether he really enjoys it. Like, yeah, you know, I guess we'd have to do a study on that, right? Yeah, that will be an interesting one, actually. Yeah, career path number five. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but but I left an organization for exactly the same reason. And mm-hmm. what was uh, important for me to really work through was my judgment, my, my self-judgment. Mm-hmm. It's a yeah. failure. You haven't given it right. enough of a chance and so on and so forth. Instead of, there is a reason why you feel that way. There is a right. reason why you believe it feels toxic. There is a reason why you feel you are um, a square pack that's being pushed into a round hole. Then, right. When I don't feel the liberty, when I don't feel this sense of freedom where I can just be, right.
2: be at my best, then something is off. Right. And we tend as women to think it's us. Yes. And society tends to tell us it's us. Yeah. Uh, I have a joke. <laughs> it's not a joke, but it's, you know, uh, when something goes wrong, it's my fault. <clears throat> Clearly it's my fault. <laughs> because everyone seems to want to blame it on the, you know, closest person. So uh, I just, okay, I'm good with that. Like, okay. And so now we can move on. Right. We, we don't longer have to fight about it. I just, it's mine. Let's go. Yeah. You know, cause I don't, I can hold it. I can hold space for it being somebody's fault and it doesn't matter if it's really mine or not, but we're so told that we're supposed to, we're supposed to like stay in a bad place, right. For the kids. We're supposed to stay in that crappy job because we can't, we we don't see ourselves as having moved to a better job, right? We don't see that there's a path to get to a better job. We're supposed to put up with the boss that's not so nice to us, mm-hmm. when we could just easily say, "I don't like the way you're speaking to me," and and actually get more respect when we do yeah. that. Uh, but it's hard. It's 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 not the easiest path. <laughs> And we're probably going to get a call a couple of names along the way. And I think we're so socialized to, to be demure and to, to get along that we're afraid to make waves. And we need to fix that. <laughs> we, need to, we need to make waves from time to time. Speaking about waves, confidence
1: for me comes in waves and goes in waves. Mm-hmm. I have ups and downs and trips and drops. Yeah. Um, I know when I am confident, I feel completely okay with myself. I accept myself for who I am. I can do exactly what you just said. You know, my fault, I messed it up. I seek far more risks and so on and so forth. I'm more playful, all of these things. Right. And there are situations when I know, okay, I'm not at my best. I don't feel most confident. That can have all sorts of reasons. And the big learning for me was to dive into what is going on. What are those reasons, right? What is it like for you in terms of waves, Do you as an experienced confidence teacher have your waves or are you really on this consistent level?
2: I I bought a surfboard. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, no, that's not consistent. It's not. And and I don't think it should be. Not that there's a right or wrong way to do it, but I I don't think it's a problem of having waves. I think it's how long the waves last. So if you think of it, you know, that we're all doing this, just like a heartbeat, we're all doing this. If your heartbeat goes up and then stops mm, for a long time, that's still not good. (laughs) Even if it's up, that's still not good. So I think there's supposed to be waves. I think you're supposed to have uh, ups and downs and, and, and dips, like you said. And the question is, how long does that dip last? Can you pull yourself out of it? Right? Can you find a way to reframe what's going on quickly? Uh, it's not that the the negative feelings don't come. It's just how do you, you know, what's your recovery time? Mm-hmm. Does it take you two weeks or does it take you 10 minutes? 10 minutes is better, you know, if you can get there, but that's a practice too. There's lots of tools that, that, that you know, tons of people will teach you. You go online and learn ways to, to, to reframe things, but I always um, like to keep a list of things I've accomplished, right? And I go back to that list when I get not feeling right, and I give myself credit for those things, so this isn't your resume for work, although it might be if you take a lot of personal uh confidence from the work that you do. but this is just you know like I call it my 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 badass report, like all the badass stuff I've done in my life, like and I look at that and i'm going okay I, I've jumped out of a plane, I jumped off a cliff in jamaica i you know like i I have this mental list of things that i've done, yeah. crazy as they might be that I can look at and be like, well, I did that. This isn't ending work. You know, whatever this is going on right now, isn't as hard as that was. And then I start to just inch my way back. Mm. So I just try to shorten the bandwidth of those bad times by reminding myself of times when I was doing better.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, And that could be work related or it could just be, you know, I had a, a nine pound baby with no, no drugs. Hello, badass. Clearly, <laughs> you know, have that ahead we of me. give ourselves credit for those things. Yeah, you know? we don't give ourselves credit. You know, women that have a C-section do not give ourselves credit for being able to take care of that kid when we're literally sliced open.
1: Yeah,
2: what? I, I defy. It defies logic that we're able to do that. Just so you know, absolutely not possible as far as I'm concerned. But people do it all the time. So we don't give ourselves enough credit. We don't give ourselves enough credit for life experience. You know, the fact that we've been on the planet as long as we have, and we've managed to wake up and do something useful every day. There are some people who can't do that. And so just getting up and functioning in society on a regular basis is not something everyone does, let mm-hmm. to be honest. And so we have to give ourselves credit for being able to do that. Yeah. And even from a young age, I mean, my my eight year old was lamenting last night that it was Sunday night and he has to go to summer camp tomorrow morning. And he can't he just stay home and play video games all day? And I'm like, Well, I hear you, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm right there with you. But see, on Mondays what we do is we get up and we go places. And so again, like just to 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 uh there's all this okay sometimes to stay home in your pajamas and watch reruns and play video games, and that's okay. And then there's other days we have to get up and and motivate ourselves to get through the day and then find some pleasure in that day. Uh, So I think we need to give ourselves credit for all the times that we don't want to and we do it anyway Mm
0: -hmm.
2: and realize that that's being a badass because you don't want to and you did it anyway. Yes, (laughs) exactly.
1: And uh, that's such a, fantastic finish to our show to say that's what a badass is right so <laughs> just embrace it goodness me
2: yeah. <laughs> but find the good stuff you've done and and, and just own it and the uh, mm-hmm. same bedroom you know think back to all the good the good fun passionate things that can happen there and and give give yourself credit Is yeah. that important too and think about
1: all the moments that you have experienced this fun, passion, and so on, and how it made you feel even days afterwards. Absolutely. Right? That's how you want to roll. Yeah. (laughs) Angel,
2: (laughs) go ahead. That's how I want to roll, for sure.
1: (laughs) I I think a lot of us want to roll like this, at least for much more of our time that we spent on this planet. What better thing to do in lockdown
2: in particular, right? Oh my goodness, the lockdown's been, you know, I'm sure we're going to have a baby boom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah, I uh, the, the amounts of already ultrasound um, scan pictures I have seen on social media, including my own ones, but it happened slightly before lockdown. So I'm, I'm, I don't count it in, but it's uh, incredible. So I'm sure there will be a massive baby
2: boom. But Angel, where can people find you? My website is confidenceiscatchy.com, and uh, I have a few offerings on there right now where we're talking about money and sex, or one or the other, depending on what you're trying to get to, and uh, there'll be more more to come. I've got uh, my book is on there as well, the Erotica book that I wrote last year, and I've got a, that's a series, so I'm intending to have more of those, so I'm hoping to get the second one out by the end of the year. So uh, lots going on over here. Fantastic.
1: Thank you so much for being such an insightful, inspirational and amazing guest. It's been a pleasure talking to you. And I am sure everyone who has listened today is taking something very valuable away from this show. So ladies in particular who are listening, enjoy yourselves, right? Um, Ask for what you really want, set boundaries as well. And Go with the flow, you know, have fun. Life's too short to take everything too seriously. We are not perfect. We don't have to be perfect, but we can be absolutely okay with ourselves. So, enjoy yourselves looking forward to speaking to you all again next week and if you do have any questions for angel or myself then just drop me a note cmc at contact angel directly she has just given her details for the website in particular but i'm uh, absolutely going to share her social media details as well in the show notes so get in touch basically. And we are both happy to support. Have a fantastic week. Speak to you again soon. Bye.
0: Thank you for listening to the Legendary Leaders Podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode, remember to subscribe to the show, either on iTunes, Spotify, or on my website, www.kathleenmerkel.com, so that you can hear more about our next episodes. I would also love to hear from you. To discover what topics you'd like to listen to on this podcast, please head over to kathleenmerkle.com forward slash podcast and let me know. You can also find me on Facebook in the Legendary Leaders Facebook community. Thank you so much for listening and I look forward to connecting with you again on our next episode of the Legendary Leaders Podcast. Take care. Bye.